Hey marketers, if you want to get the latest news, trends, and insights in marketing, advertising, and tech, check out the Adweek Podcast Network. Learn from leading voices across media and marketing with original shows like Yeah, That's Probably an Ad, Marketing Vanguard, and Tech Magic with Kathy Hackle. Start listening now by searching Adweek wherever you listen to podcasts. My dad works in B2B marketing. He came by my school for career day and said he was a big ROAS man. Then he told everyone how much he loved calculating his return on ad spend. My friends still laugh at me to this day. Not everyone gets B2B, but with LinkedIn, you'll be able to reach people who do. Get $100 credit on your next ad campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash generate to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash generate. Terms and conditions apply. LinkedIn, the place to be, to be. Hey there, are you ready to elevate your personal brand or company? Meet Viral Growth, your one-stop shop for video content and audience building. Imagine growing your brand organically on social media without the hassle of editing videos for hours. With Viral Growth, it's a breeze. They handle the brainstorming, scripting, and editing while you simply just hit record. And don't worry about your niche. They cater to everyone, from business and marketing to health and wellness. Are you ready to make waves in the social media realm? Visit viralgrowth.io and use code ADWEEK, that's A-D-W-E-E-K, all lowercase, and get 10% off your plan. You're listening to Yeah, That's Probably an Ad. This is the Adweek Podcast, and we are in Cannes in the South of France for the Cannes Lions International Festival of Creativity. I'm super excited to have with me David Sable, the global CEO of YNR, Young and Rubicam. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you. I'm super excited to be here. Now, you are a recent podcaster as well. Tell us about your podcast. I am. So my podcast is called Madison and Culture. And what I try to do is interview people who I think are interesting, who are sort of at that nexus of pop, true popular culture, not advertising popular culture, but whose business is somehow related to advertising, promotion, and other things. And we just have a conversation, talk about life, what's happening, how they view media, how they might view their business, how they might view the world. Great. Well, yeah, definitely encourage everybody to check it out. And uh, what I wanted to talk to you about today is being on a jury. Uh, running a jury, you've done both. Uh, how many juries would you say you've been on at Cannes now? Oh, my God. I have been on numerous juries, and I think I've been jury president three times, which puts me, in, a, from what I understand from uh, the organizers here, in sort of a rarefied place of people who have done it more than twice. So I think there are only three or four of us who have actually been presidents of juries three times, so I'm pretty proud of that. Yeah, wonderful. Uh, so you are the perfect person to ask about some of these. I want to kind of go behind the scenes of what it's really like uh, the for scenes. juries, uh, the, the deepest, darkest secrets of, of jury life. Um, but No it, hung <laughs> juries here, by the way. <laughs> yeah, the, I think Cosby would have had a lot of trouble in Ken. Yeah, so, to, so let's start there, too. I mean, you have to get a unanimous verdict on... Uh, you know, is it for Grand Prix or what? How how much of agreement do you have to get among the jurors? So you have to you have to be pretty. I I believe if I'm not mistaken for Grand for Grand Prix, you got to be pretty unanimous, and if not unanimous, you got to be pretty pretty close. To be it. willing to say you were. Yeah, I mean, I think it's pretty it's pretty clear, and you know, and I have to tell you, as president of the jury, that, actually, I take it back, and and I apologize, I don't have the I don't know what the rules are this year. Sometimes they change them. Yeah. I can tell you that in the past. I have gone back after we've awarded a Grand Prix or something of that nature and asked for another vote to get a unanimous decision. Because I think that, that it's, it, it's, not like it, it's not like you're dissenting um, in, a, in some major policy decision or something that's going to 
change the world if somebody thinks you didn't vote for it. I, if I think that the award was valuable, in other words, it was deserving and it was great, then I've asked and I've never had an issue. I feel like I've seen the crowd at Cannes boo for two, well, they hiss, I guess. They whistle here, right? It's not so much a booing as a whistling, but that's when you know the audience is, is uh, ticked at the award show. And I feel like personally I've seen it go in two different kind of opposite ways. One is when they see something winning too many awards that they don't think deserve too many awards, like Harvey Nichols a few years ago, the crowd kind of turned on that one by the end of the night uh, because it won something like five Grand Prix or whatever. Uh, but then the other side is when there is no Grand Prix. Uh, so when the jury, as I know you have decided in the past too, is that one of the harder decisions to make to say we're not going to give a Grand Prix knowing that? Yeah, it is. But let's, let's just talk about the, the first hiss and boo on stuff that isn't deserving. I have made it a point of talking to my juries. I spend a lot of time with my juries before I go into the jury room. Uh, I make sure that everybody's on the phone. I communicate with them. I set up when I come in. I have very strict principles of engagement. And I've made it clear to them that I'd never, ever want to be president of a jury that makes the kind of decisions that people turn to each other and say, what the hell? Because I've been in the room and heard those kinds of comments, as you have, as you just pointed out. I never, ever want to be, and I'm proud to say that I've never been on a jury that, that, where that has been the, the result. I want everybody to look and say, wow, these guys did their job. That work really deserved to win. And there certainly is a lot of work that deserves to win, so it's not an issue. It's not hard to find work that deserves to win. I think there was only one time that I was on a jury where we didn't award a Grand Prix, and I think that, that was data. the first year on Creative Data. Yeah. And my feeling was, and I think everybody agreed with me, it was year one. We needed to set, a, we had really good work. We set a benchmark for the way work needs to be judged and the way we thought work should be judged. And we just felt that we made our statement and that our statement should rest with that. And rather than award a, a Grand Prix when it was really, there, there was no benchmark. There was nothing to look back on. Let the next year have a year a benchmark and then be able to award in, in the right way. Yeah, I think that was the same year that Lions Health gave their first awards and they also did not give a Grand right. Prix. And I think, that's, I think it was good. I think what I do hate and I think is, is total bullshit um, there have been times here when a jury president got up and said, nothing here deserves to have a Grand Prix, and they've been hissed, and deservedly so, because I think that when you have categories that are well-established with really good work, you know there's work in there that, that is deservant and work that should be recognized. And I just find that to be incredibly self-serving kind of a comment. Mm -hmm. The one other thing I always wonder about, too, is the amount of research, the amount of kind of individual Googling you're allowed to do when you're on a jury, because uh, I know you and I have talked about this as a frequent point of discussion, is the those doubts you get when you've watched a case study and in the back of your mind or maybe even in the front of your mind, you're thinking, ah, I So don't know. people do it. We do it. You ask as well. And I have to tell you, one of the, one of the great um, services, I think, that the, the organizing committee gives you, the people, certainly in the, all the juries that I've been in, the assistance that I've gotten from the CAN people is fabulous. So you ask a question, they go out, they'll Google, they'll research, they'll do everything that they need to do because they don't, it's not like they're trying to justify anything. They want it to be perfect as well. So they make sure if you come up and you have a doubt, they will literally go to the ends of the earth 
to find out for you if, if you think that that's the, if that's the case. And I think that's important because, you know, sometimes you do have a doubt. And I have to tell you, I was on one jury. Um, I can't, it was one jury I was president. I, I can't tell you who it was, but the, there was a piece that was up for a particular company, a global company. The work was up in one country where it's not important where. And the CMO of that company was on my jury, and he said, please pull that work. Wow. He said, that's nice, it's great. He goes, but it's not what it says it is. And I have been worshiping that guy ever since. Because I said, what, that to me was the, the essence of, of honesty and, and uprightness and, and really what the spirit here should be. Don't, don't those moments, though, kind of worry you sometimes that you can never have enough people in the room? Uh, you know what I mean? It's like, what if he hadn't been in there? And and sometimes you wonder, what if the right person is not in here? I was similarly on a jury for uh, the Epico Awards, which is judged by journalists, and uh, we had a, a work that I thought was amazing, and then one of the jurors from that country said, that is a complete crock of shit. Like, that, that did not happen yeah. the way that they depicted. If she hadn't been there, we might have given that a, a gold. So I can tell you we wouldn't have awarded this. I mean, it's pretty clear just based on the way the discussion was going and prior and after, it probably would not have won. And if it did, it might have won a bronze and, or something and it wouldn't have been. I mean, the fact that we shortlisted, so that was already an issue. Um, but I, I'm not sure. I don't, I don't think we would have. I think we would have been skeptical about it. I'm, in fact, I'm pretty sure, because that's kind of how the discussion began, where somebody said, eh, and he said, uh, <laughs> worse than eh, like, take it off. How would you describe a good jury? Does a good jury, do they talk a lot? Do they deliberate a lot? Do they wait until, you know, do they save their conversations until they're really necessary? What do you think is the right dynamic to have? So I think a good jury talks a lot. A good jury spends a lot of time in, I, I think the camaraderie is really important. You have to have an open, you have to have an open dialogue. I think that's really, really critical um, because if you don't, it gets hard, and if, if somebody feels they can't speak or that there's a... And you hear this all the time, that the, the president of the jury has set up a... So, like, doesn't want to hear or is kind of shutting down discussion. It's a problem. So I think you want... Which is why I've always spent time up front making sure that people knew each other, communicating, sharing bios, like, really just trying to get people... So by the time you walk in, you sort of have a feeling like you know everybody. I think that's important. I think it's important to have a gadfly on the jury... I've always found that there's one person who's sort of the naysayer, but not the naysayer in a negative way, but it's sort of the skeptical person mm -hmm. who raises the questions. And so long as it's not, I'm being negative and I'm being an asshole, but it's really more like, hey, have you considered? Let's talk about it. I always encourage that person. In fact, there was one guy who we then offered a job to a year later because I was so impressed with this person's intellect because really they, and, and I felt that 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 person brought us, he really brought us the, like, have you thought about it again? Have you really spent the time? Are you sure? And I just found that to be really important to do. It, it feels like the benefits of an award show like Can are, are somewhat clear. It celebrates great work that you might not have seen. It helps send messages some years of, of uh, you know, of unity within, of globalism sometimes, you know, showing that we're all in this together. There's a lot of benefits to it. But at the same time, there are downsides to the kind of work that award shows can celebrate or that the kind of message that they can send. 
What are some of those do you, you know, that you have tried to address when you're on a jury, when you're a jury president of solving some of the things that are wrong with the award show system? So very often, I shouldn't say very often, that's not fair. Once in a while, as we've had in the past, I think it's getting less and less because they've spent a lot of time figuring out how to weed that work out up front. But I remember a number of years ago, there was a piece of work that just kept winning and winning and winning. And it was so clear that it never could have happened. Like right? that it was, it was basically a fictional case study. It was just clear. It was, it was no way. I mean, it required... This piece of work, in order to have actually been successful, and it goes back quite a few years, would have required basically the equivalent of syncing your TV to a random broadcast streaming something on your computer at being in the same room at the same time as this was happening. And in a world where not everybody had broadband, having super high broadband, and then being in front of both screens at the same time. Like, that was basically what it would have required. There's no way. There's no way. Three people in the world maybe, maybe could have made that happen. And yet people kept saying, oh, this is brilliant. This is the wave of the future. Like, why is that the wave of the future? First of all, it was nonsense to be the wave of the future. In fact, we see it's not the wave of the future. Everybody's watching big screens. Even Facebook is now streaming to big screens, right? So it was nonsense. But it was just bad. It was bad all around. It just wasn't good. And I think that, that that kind of work, you still see it occasionally, but I think, it's, I think you're seeing less and less of it. I think also people hurt themselves because they'll do some nice little something and then they'll write about it and say, for the first time ever in the history of digital media, the following has happened. Well, I doubt it. I doubt it's that important. The fact is I never heard about it before, so it couldn't have been that important. And like, why put it that way? Why not just say, hey, here's a great piece of creative. Here's what it did. Here's how it solved the problem for somebody. And yeah, it seems like that, that approach may get you on the short list, but it tends to gloss over the... More the and more, I guarantee you, talk to more and more jury presidents these days, and they'll tell you, or just even jury members, they, they literally, their eyes glass over when they read, first time ever, biggest digital event in the history of mankind. More downloads than God. You know, it's like you hear that stuff, you just want to puke. Um, what are, you know, it feels like being a juror is, it's a sacrifice. I mean, as, I, as much as it's a, a lofty sacrifice, but it feels like you come here and you're locked in. I mean, how many hours do you spend uh, on one of these <laughs> All day. I, you know, depending on the jury... You could be a week, you could be a weekend plus, you could be during the week, you could be the week before. I mean, there's, there's a lot of, again, depending on the jury and the amount of work, there's a lot of time. I've always made it, it's not always popular day one, but it gets you out quicker in a sense. So I do working lunches. I don't let anybody leave the room. So <laughs> I always have the lunch brought in. It's not a, uh, not a, uh, not a French way to work. But I just find it keeps the momentum going because I, I, you don't want to break the momentum in a, in a jury has always my, been my opinion. You're in the middle of the discussion. So to go out and sit on the terrace and have like a whatever just doesn't, doesn't work for me. So I like this notion of having people in and having discussion around lunch because it just it get, it keeps the momentum going and it keeps, you, it keeps you rolling. So you could be in from early morning to late at night. 
You know, yeah, and sometimes when you could be having a lot more fun. When you could be having a lot more fun and doing a lot more things, and it's just the way it is. The one of the benefits that uh, you know you hear about a lot of being on a jury, especially for some of the younger folks or newer in their career, is the networking of just being considered peers with people like yourself, people who have been operating at a very high level. And I think a lot of that's been fueling uh, Can's decision to include more women in juries uh, this year. There are about forty-three percent female uh, jurors, and. I mean, what are some of those benefits, especially for people who've never been on a jury before? What are some benefits of being on a jury? So I think that the benefits, you know, you talk about benefits to the younger people to be with some of the, you know, names or whatever. I think it's a big benefit for the older people to be with the younger people. You get a completely new set of views. Um, the people aren't jaded. They haven't done this before. So for them, it's, it's fresh eyes, interesting. Um, so this is a networking. I think you get a chance to see and discuss work that you might not have before. And I think it's always interesting to have to think about how to discuss that work. You, you know, you don't want to, although there are jurors who just go in and trash other people's work and they think that's what you're supposed to do, it's sort of not the reason you're there. You're there to find the best work, not to trash any work. And the the assumption should be that if it got into the, if, if it made that first cut, even before the shortlist, remember, just being in the jury, you've already made a pre-cut. That's pretty damn good. So it, it, it passed enough people's inspection that it was worth your seeing. And so you're not supposed to trash it. You're supposed to just find work that might resonate better with you. So I think that even that, even that exercise is worth it. Because it forces you to think in a different way. It's easy to trash. It's a lot harder to, to sit back and say, okay, that's great. This is greater. Or this is different and should be awarded and whatever. So I, I love that notion. I think it's important. You get a chance to listen to other people's views. And, and more and more, the juries have clients as well as creative directors, as well as others. And I find that to be pretty interesting. Um, I can say, honestly, every jury I've ever been on has been interesting, and I've learned something, and I'm friends with people from literally every jury I've ever been on. They're people I still am in contact with, and you're with your competitors in a really interesting way because you're, you're actually together, and so you're not being competitive in that room. Yeah, it almost ends up being these little United Nations kind of, yeah. uh, you know, it's, it's always interesting to me to look at those juries and see these are all competitors at the highest possible level and yet they when they announce their findings again uh, you know they announce their winners when you ask them about it they never have anything but positive things to say about working with each other you know one of the one of the the um, I think it was the first jury I was president of was the direct jury and it was the biggest jury I think that ever was and that there ever will be because they realized that it was crazy large and it was truly the United Nations. I think I had every country in the world represented, every region, every, you can't even imagine, every company. It was crazy. And somehow we managed to get through all the work and it was great. And I remember at the press conference, the thing that struck me about it was just that. We never had a spat. There wasn't one regional argument, nobody versus what happened, versus the United Nations where you know, people will trash one country or another. It never happens here. You've never heard that. You've never seen somebody walk off a jury because somebody from another country is in that jury. At least not in my, my experience. And, and I find that to be, I find that to be extraordinarily 
inspiring and powerful, frankly. I've always said that that to me was one of the great things about coming here, is that you don't find that kind of, you, know, you might find it in the United Nations where you know, one of the Arab countries will walk out if the Israeli guy will walk in. And this is something that to me is, is particularly painful. And here, it doesn't happen. If Israel wins, like everybody gets up and cheers. If an Arab country wins, everybody gets up and cheers. If someone else wins, everybody gets up, gets up and cheers. It's about the work. It's about the people who produce the work. Yeah, it feels like, you know, you and I were discussing nationalism a year ago. We were here during Cannes during the Brexit vote. Um, and it's become much larger of a conversation in the years since. Uh, but to me, it is the one of the most positive things about Cannes is you you don't see any nationalism here. It's it's almost the antithesis of of this idea that my country is better than all other countries. My country should be first. But there is nationalism. But there's good nationalism. Yeah, there's national pride. There's national pride, and I love that. So our our um, a couple of years ago, our Turkish office, which continues to rock, and I'm very, I'm very proud of them. Um, you know, they were number one in Effie's in Europe this year. They always do very well in Cannes. Um, and they won first Grand Prix in the history of Turkey. So we had a party. Now, here's the deal, right? Who came to the party? Not just our people. The entire freaking Turkish delegation. Every person representing every agency in Turkey came to the party. And I thought, wow, this is the greatest thing ever, because they were all proud of each. They were all proud as Turks that a company in their group had won a Grand Prix, and it was the first one. And everybody came. There's no jealousy. There was no backbiting. It was just that's who we are. Now, having said that, there have been years, and now there are safeguards in place where people do vote on blocks, which is a problem. So it's not about I'm better than you. It's just like, hey, I want to. You know, we want our country to, to stand out. So there have been, there's been block voting in the past. Can't happen anymore because the, the back end is really cool of the voting because it's all electronic. So they can see if, if there's block voting going on or if people are voting for their own company or whatever. So all of that, it's great because technology and data have sort of erased that possibility for the most part. And I think that's really good as well. Well, I cannot thank you enough for taking time out of your very busy schedule. Uh, are you on any juries this year? Or do you actually get to have fun? This year, I'm not. I'm having fun. I'm, I spent the morning talking to a group of startups about branding, which was incredibly exciting and exhilarating for me. Um, really interesting group. We spent probably 45 minutes questions and answers after my little, you know, I spoke for maybe five minutes, six minutes, and the rest was all discussion, and it was awesome. It was great. So I I look forward to just having a lot of discussions, meeting a lot of interesting people, and having a good time. Great. Well, I'm sure I will see you several more times this week. Thank you so <laughs> much, sure. Dave. It's always a pleasure to talk to you. My pleasure. Thank All you, right. Dave. We will be doing more of these, uh, so keep an eye on your podcast feed. We'll be rolling out more interviews uh, from Can all week. I'm David Griner with Adweek, and we will talk to you soon. Hey there, podcast fam. Are you ready to break free from the social media rut? Hold on to your hatch because we've got just a thing for you. Meet Viral Growth, your one-stop shop for leveling up your online presence. Whether you're a personal brand or a company, they've got the tools and know-how to take you to the next level. With Viral Growth, forget about those endless hours of video editing. They handle everything from brainstorming to polishing your content so you can just focus on being awesome. And guess what? We're hooking you up with a sweet deal. Use code ADWEEK for 10% off when you sign up.
Ready to take your social media game to the next level? Head on over to viralgrowth.io and let's turn those digital dreams into a reality.